Wake up. Fifty years ago, we called ourselves brothers and sisters and called the oppressors crackers. Today we're calling ourselves niggers and bitches and calling them white people. We're now respecting ourselves lesser and them more. Fifty years ago, we accurately perceived them as our worst enemies. Today, millions insist that we're our worst enemies. Our black collective aggressions have been shifted away from them and redirected towards ourselves. Fifty years ago, we proudly agreed that we were from Africa. Today, millions insist that we're not. When Africans globally are divided, we lose our global numerical advantage and hope of defeating global white supremacy. All of these changes within the African-American culture benefit the white society. It's always by deliberate design whenever the culture of the oppressed changes in ways that are beneficial to the oppressors. Those that know must teach. African proverb. Socialized, the oppressed or subordinate population thinks and behaves in a conditioned way beneficial to the oppressive dominant culture. Unlike after World War LL, when the less than 12 years Jewish Holocaust came to an end, the US government and the United Nations contributed massive financial support to rebuild their lives, there was no moral obligation to do the same for African people. Although the African Holocaust lasted hundreds of years longer and resulted in millions of more deaths. When it ended, America, Great Britain, and the many other white nations that benefited greatly from the brutal exploitation of Africa felt no moral obligation to restore the culture of African people. They instead focused on their self-interest. To protect the white society from unified massive black retribution, especially given that the white society's mistreatments of Africans globally and exploitation of Africa's natural resources continues indefinitely they socialize the minds of Africans. White social scientists describe this nefarious practice as merely instilling a value system into the collective minds of the subordinate population that makes them adhere to the existing infrastructure of the dominant culture. Case, point, and proof. The Bible was the first propaganda literature used to socialize Africans. The early white Christians didn't convert Africans into their faith to join them in heaven the afterlife. It is irrefutable because the early white Christians believed that Africans had no souls and that heaven was for whites only. The early white Christians thought that the mere thought of African entering heaven was as blasphemy ridiculous as a dog doing so. It is a historical fact. The early white Christians only converted Africans into Christians to instill the myth of a white god into their minds. It creates a profound adoration towards whiteness, which is then subconsciously transformed upon white people, thus making Africans feel subservient towards whites. It made the Africans more compliant with white dominance over their lives and better slaves for Caucasians. Consequently, the early white Christians only converted Africans into Christians to socialize them to think and behave in ways beneficial to the white society. They fooled us. Now we deceive ourselves. The Bible has remained a very effective tool used for controlling generations of black people. Christianity, millions of black people, have been brainwashed to believe that all of the wrongs whites have done to them throughout history have been washed clean by the blood of a fictional white Jesus. Moreover, the white society never actually apologized or even repented for their evil deeds against black people. They merely insisted that black people, as good Christians, forgive them as their doctrine teaches. Forced black people to become Christians, its doctrine used to compel them to forgive whites for all the brutalities afflicted upon them by white Christians. Furthermore, teaching black people that a white God sent down his white son to earth to die for them makes millions of black people feel indebted towards whites. Christianity has proven itself as being history's most successful propaganda tool used for controlling black people. However, the Bible was deemed not enough during the 1960s. During the 1960s white social scientists determined that IT had become necessary to reinforce the socializing of Africans. 
During the 1960s African Americans unified protests against the U.S. systems of institutionalized white racism were unprecedented. African Americans confronted it on all fronts. They engaged through a disobedient civil tactic, militant means, nonviolent protest, and black lawyers pleading for equality within America's highest Supreme Court. African Americans' unified protest remains unrivaled by any other group in unonviolent. African Americans had unknowingly proven themselves as the most significant threat against the U.S. system of white supremacy. In the face of the unprecedented unified black protest, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover said that the unification of the American Negro was the most significant threat against the nation. To remedy what was then called the Negro problem in 1967, President Lyndon Johnson put together a committee called the Kerner Commission. Their assignment was to study the Negro problem, find the cause, and then develop a solution. In 1968 white social scientists, hired by the Kerner Commission to study the Negro problem, learned oppressors, through their weaponry advantage of guns and cannons, can invade and enslave the oppressed. They cannot win their loyalty or sustain peace with them indefinitely unless systems unless more extraordinary measures to keep the oppressed loyal better or suppress dissent from rising. Persecuted people for long durations, their collective aggressions towards their oppressors, will continue to grow until acts of massive retribution against their oppressors become inevitable. It is an innate response within the collective human psyche of oppressed people for long durations. It is what was happening amongst African Americans during the 1960s. They also determined that three aggravating core factors fueled the decades unprecedented unified black protest to neutralize their Negro problem. The following are those three determined causes and the recommended solutions for addressing them. Side note, these exact solutions and tactics are now deployed globally against Africans throughout the diaspora. 1. White social scientists determined that a factor for the decade's unprecedented unified black protest was blatant white racism. The solution to fix the problem is to abandon those blatant white racist segregation tactics used to maintain white social dominance over black people and develop more covert methods that their black victims are not as easily recognized nor comprehended. White racism always prevails best when its black victims no longer recognize it. 2. They also determined a high and unifying black collective self-esteem, brought on by the emergence of that decade's black pride movement, was a factor for the decade's unprecedented unified black protest. The solution to fix the problem, a black unified protest subdued by lowering the collective self-esteem of African Americans and achieved by constantly inundating African Americans with fraudulent media propaganda that keeps us believing the false worst narratives about ourselves. 3. African Americans had developed an allegiance towards Africa that prevented the growth of black patriotism and dedication towards the U.S. The solution to fix the problem is that African Americans' allegiance towards Africa had to be eroded by turning Africa into a source of shame and humiliation for African Americans. They would achieve this by constantly subject African Americans to seeing only those images of a war-torn, famine-ridden, rampantly illiterate, and disease-stricken Africa. By only showing the poorest parts of Africa, this conveys the subliminal message that African Americans were the lucky ones to have been taken away from the backwardness of Africa and therefore that African Americans should be grateful to the white society for slavery. Some African Americans have been so heavily demoralized and humiliated by the white society's deplorable depictions of Africa that they'll now accept any fable that allows them to claim themselves as being anything other than an African. Psychologist calls this disassociation. It erodes millions of African Americans' allegiance towards Africa and makes many feel indebted to the white society for enslaving our ancestors thus increasing black allegiance to the U.S. It's a defense mechanism that evolves from putting a distance between themselves and the white society's negative media depictions of Africa. Ultimately, 
African Americans' collective aggressions had to be shifted away from the oppressive white society and redirected inward against themselves to protect the white community from massive unified black retribution. By perpetually achieving inundating African Americans with media propaganda campaigns that convey the subliminal message that black people themselves are their own worst enemies. It creates black self-hatred and disunity, which attacks the foundation of what bonds a people. Love and unity are the core foundations that bond a people, remove a people's love and unity, and be ruled indefinitely. This warfare tactic works by keeping black people believing the fraudulent worst narratives about themselves. It works by tapping into the immense power that shame has upon the human mind. Here's a basic example of how this psychological warfare tactic works. Imagine a crew was out at sea aboard their very own well-functioning ship. It boat by a second ship followed a second ship was constantly broadcasting derogatory messages to the first ship's crew. Such statements tell them that their boat was lesser, not seaworthy, perhaps slowly sinking, or incompetent team. With time, the crew constantly receiving the negative, derogatory messages about themselves, being unable to refute nor confirm them, will grow weary, paranoid, and eventually come to accept their negative assessments. It will ultimately cause the targeted crew to distrust themselves, doubt their abilities, and self-hate. The taunted crew may become besieged by deep feelings of inadequacy and resentment towards their fellow crew members. They may jump into the sea and attempt to swim towards the taunting ship, now believing it to be superior to their craft, even if their boat was better. Its entire process was accomplished by constantly inundating the ship's crew with damaging, demoralized disinformation about themselves. Its weapon was the negative messages and the way that they negatively affected the targeted team. It is a process to erode the morale of the targeted population through constant demoralization. By destroying confidence, it can even prevent the will to fight. It's very effective. No group can be constantly inundated with damaging, demoralizing misinformation about themselves and not suffer adverse effects. This same demoralizing divide and rule psychological warfare tactic is being deployed against black populations by oppressive white forces within a natural world. The white media's unrelenting negative depictions of black people, which amplifies the negative to the point that it distorts reality is much more than just biased media reporting. It is a covert, insidious demoralizing divide-and-conquer psychological warfare campaign. Demoralizing divide-and-conquer is the method of maintaining control over a targeted population through constant and unrelenting to create self-hate and division between them. There are three ways to manipulate the human mind effectively, what we see, hear, and teach. Because the white society controls the education, led. The media images we see and the societal narratives that we hear, these combined factors allow them to shrewdly indoctrinate black self-contemptuous and divisive thoughts into the collective minds of millions of black people without most even knowing it. This system deplored like a massive media marketing campaign that constantly subjects black people to seeing only the fraudulent worst within themselves. Within this system, deceitful black racially demoralizing propaganda is pumped unrelenting into the unsuspecting minds of black populations without being challenged or counterbalanced by an equal amount of black positive racially affirming information. It conveys the subliminal message that black people are their own worst enemy and need whites to govern their lives. Moreover, that black people should admire, respect, and trust only whites. This system is highly effective because it can be challenging to resist its implied propaganda programming when black people have repetitively presented these noted narratives from trusted white media sources. Especially when the propaganda, daily and so unrelenting, is told its weapon is the demoralizing message that it carries and how it adversely affects the black population in terms of their behavior. With time, being unable to refute the constant negative information about themselves, many black people eventually accept them. 
The continuous taunting of negative propaganda unconsciously influences how many within the black population perceives themselves, creating division and self-hatred among themselves. This control system turns our collective aggressions away from our oppressors and redirects them inward against ourselves, as a means of preventing us from unifying against our oppressors. Black people who do not think critically and question the validity of all information constantly fed into their minds from entirely white sources never notice. It is all possible because people are like computers. All you have to do is keep giving them specific information every so often, and you can persuade an entire generation towards an implied objective. It doesn't matter if the information presented is untrue. Most black people will act upon it because they have all the same misinformation about themselves. The human mind is like a computer. No matter how efficient it may be, its reliability is only as excellent as its information. If it's possible to control the input into the human mind, no matter how intelligent a person may be, it is entirely possible to prevent what he will think. This psychological warfare system provides white societies with a more proficient method for controlling black populations. Unlike the past blatant racist plans that black people were quickly able to identify and therefore develop counter-strategies against, this system is not easily recognized nor comprehended by many of its black victims. This psychological warfare program works so well that it makes black people more compliant with white dominance over their lives. It makes many even prefer it. It is at the root of the profound division and self-hatred now afflicting many black people and is at the heart of internalized feelings of superiority that many whites possess. The oppressed will always believe the fraudulent worse about themselves Franz Fanon. It is not some feeble-minded premise, nor is it some silly conspiracy theory. It's the truth that hides from you. Media social engineering is a covert, well-crafted system of control that allows the white ruling class to control the masses and targeted populations. The white media has always represented a tyranny of the white society's power over black people. Media social engineering is to steer black culture negatively. The narratives that we African Americans made the N-word ours and that using it now empowers us are both lies created by white propagandists to keep us from learning the truth. Those false narratives are believed and repeated by ignorant, naive, and gullible, therefore are usually the easiest victims of the white oppressor's fraudulent propaganda campaigns. White oppressive forces socialized us to self-identify ourselves as niggers through the hidden science known as negative media social engineering. Because they control our media images, they're able to steer our culture covertly negatively. By socializing us to self-identify ourselves as niggers, they've conditioned us to perceive ourselves through a false marginalized identity that aids them in maintaining their white dominance over us. Most people naively believe that the media reflects our reality, but in truth, we more often imitate what we see and learn from the media. A group's identity is powerfully shaped by how they repeatedly see themselves depicted in the media. People often become those derogatory media depictions of themselves that they accept as being their reality. It's an actual science known as media social engineering. Whoever controls a people's media images controls their culture. Allen Ginsberg because the white society controls the media images of African Americans, this fact allows white social scientists and propaganda designers to steer black culture negatively. Their ability to guide black culture through media social engineering is potent. So much in fact, that if these white men wanted black youths to start walking around every day. With a yellow afro comb in their left rear pockets. All they would have to do is place that image in several rap music videos, movies, and TV shows depicted as very cool and trendy. In doing so, our black youths would then see the image, imitate it, and then adopt it as being of their own making although it is not. The style and behavior learned from what they repetitively saw in the media, secretly created by white media social engineering scientists and propaganda designers. 
When these white social engineering scientists create trends and customs for black youths to imitate, they deliberately create those that get our black children acting and dressing as caricatures that reinforce resentment and anti-black prejudicial perceptions. Moreover, those images reinforce many negative and racist stereotypes about black people. Black youths become the caricatures of the derogatory images and stereotypes they accept. White oppressive forces are negatively steering the African-American culture. Case in point. Black sagging is the result of negative white media social engineering. Some African-Americans insist that sagging started with slavery. It is untrue. If it had, the style would have been prevalent throughout the many years that followed slavery. It was not. The class didn't exist on a national scale until the early 1990s. Furthermore, if slaves were sagging, this would have severely reduced their productivity because a slave couldn't pick much cotton while holding up his pants. The white enslavers would also never allow a slave to sag because this creates the possibility of their wives and daughters seeing the African's larger penis. So when you critically think and observe all the facts as they were, it becomes clear that sagging did not come from slavery. The sagging phenomenon is not the result of the prison industry, where most prisons have a heavily enforced dress code requiring prisoners to wear Velcro belts. Furthermore, if men engage in homosexual behavior while incarcerated, most do not return to their communities and families, flaunting that fact. Most will conceal any customs or behaviors associated with the practice. When you're ignorant, nonsense makes perfect sense. Furthermore, that prison-to-the-street theory is not how national trends created. For something to thing to become a trend requires concerted efforts of media marketing. The style of sagging was achieved deliberately by white hostile media social engineering of the African-American culture. The sagging style movies and music videos place depicted as cool and trendy, and then millions of black youths merely imitated their style. It isn't some feeble-minded attempt at scapegoating that wrongly blames white people for absolving ourselves of our responsibilities. It's the absolute truth. They're waging a covert war against African Americans that most don't understand. Because we African Americans stripped of our true identity and culture during the enslavement of our ancestors were therefore more susceptible to media social engineering. The nigger programming. The valid reason millions of African Americans now self-identify themselves as niggers is also a true testament to the immense power of social engineering of white negative media. Although this nigger programming is now routinely deployed through the white-controlled hip-hop music industry, that industry merely reinforces earlier programming. The Ed Hashker terminology was initially indoctrinated into the African American culture many decades ago, long before the industry created hip-hop music. They have been initially doing so by using the movie industry. Most people think that movies are nothing more than entertainment. That never was the case, the most subliminal potent social messages through movies. Social norms promoted through films can influence the way of thinking and the cognitive map of the populated audience. In a normal conversation, when using logic and facts, your guard is naturally up. But when you watch a movie, there's no debate. Your guard is down, the censor part of your brain is not in action, it isn't saying yes, I agree with this, or I disagree with that like you would in a debate or a conversation. You're actually in an alpha state, completely downloaded with ideas and images. This programming system was used to convince millions of black movie watchers during the late 60s and early 70s that they were niggers. Up until the mid-1960s, the word Hashker was viewed unfavorably by most African Americans. That era's generation of African Americans experienced dehumanizing segregation, and many also had great-grandparents born during slavery. Therefore, they knew intimately well the brutality and degradation that often accompanied the ugly taunts of the word nigger. Thus, the word within many African-American homes is being deemed profoundly offensive is most often forbidden. 
The use of the word enhashker became more accepted among African Americans during the late 60s and early 70s as the popularity of black exploitation films grew. Black exploitation is a term coined in the early 1970s to refer to black films aimed at black audiences. African American actors in lead roles, the movie frequently depicted stereotypical characterization and glorification of violence. That era's black exploitation films first taught African American youths on a national level that it was an excellent and trendy term of endearment to call themselves enhashker. In those films, written, directed, and produced by white people, black actors hired to shuck and jive and repeatedly call themselves enhashker. This enhashker indoctrinating process was repeated and reinforced countless times and many times within many black exploitation films. Here's a list of just a few of those movies: The Black Klansman, 1966. Black Like Me, 1964, Black Lolita, 1975, Black Mama White Mama, 1973, Black Rage, 1972, Scream Blackula Scream, 1973, Shaft, 1971, Shaft in Africa, 1973, Shaft's Big Score, 1972, Sheba, Baby, 1975, etc. Within each of these films, produced by white movie studios, black actors routinely called each other niggers. Some of these films also blatantly included the word Enhashker in their titles, such as Boss Enhashker, 1975, Run Enhashker Run, 1974, and The Soul of Enhashker Charlie, 1973, etc. Many African-American audiences received those blacks' exploitive films well because they provided them with cinematic black heroes on the silver screen and a portrayal unseen in most Hollywood pictures before that time. Therefore, African Americans flocked to the theaters in droves to see themselves represented as heroes on the big screen. Many black audiences, believing that those fictional movie characters were authentic, accurate representations of their group as a collective whole, began imitating what they saw in the movies this included self-identifying themselves as niggers. Through this system, millions of black people perceived themselves as niggers socially engineered. They did this because words do have power. Words put a spell upon your subconscious mind. We function based on the comments we assign to ourselves. It is why women that proclaim themselves as being bitches become stubbornly unreasonable. It's also why men who claim themselves as thugs are more likely to engage in a fight than avoid it. Words affect how we function. It is a psychological phenomenon that white social engineering scientists have thoroughly researched. We also treat others based on the words we assign to them. When we call others by negative words, we dehumanize them, making it easier to mistreat them. Case in point. During the Vietnam War, to ease the American soldiers' anxieties about torturing and killing the Vietnamese soldiers, they were taught to refer to them as chinks, hooks, and kongs. It dehumanized them and made it easier to kill and torture them. It is also why men that refer to women as bitches, and hoes have a higher tendency to mistreat them. These noted factors are why white oppressive forces socially engineered millions of African Americans to self-identify and call each other enhashkers. Through negative media social engineering, White oppressive forces have placed an elaborate damaging spell upon the subconscious minds of millions of African Americans with the word nigger. The white prison industry with black men programmed to believe that they're real niggas. White social engineering scientists deliberated programmed millions of black people to think that they're enhashkers to achieve this plan. White oppressive forces secretly perceive black rappers as useful idiots. In addition to making lots of money by exploiting them, they use them to steer black culture negatively and they use them to vilify and criminalize African-Americans' image, which makes the white societies, justice systems, mistreatments of its black population appear as always justifiable. Because most black rappers have never heard about the science of negative media social engineering, most people have not, 
they're therefore unaware of the actual damages that they're doing to their people and culture. White oppressive forces are exploiting their ignorance to the detriment of their people. Many African Americans are now saying we should call ourselves Negus because it's an ancient Ethiopian word meaning king. However, given that there are over 2,000 languages in Africa, and each one of them has at least three words that mean king, don't you, therefore, find it suspicious that the only word that's spread throughout our black communities is the word Negus, the one word that happens to sound precisely like niggers? To believe that this is an incredible coincidence is highly naive. The word Negus is being deliberately propagated into our black communities to serve a particular plan. The truth about Negus. Millions of African Americans call themselves. Niggers were socially engineered by white oppressive forces. It was because negative words cast damaging spells upon the subconscious mind. Calling ourselves niggers subconsciously assigns us to an inherent subordinate status within the white society. We also dehumanize each other when calling ourselves niggers. It makes it easier to mistreat and even kill each other. The word negus was misused to keep African Americans functioning under the adverse effects of the original N-word, because the subconscious mind doesn't see the different spelling. It was initially developed at the Tavistock Institute methods to control human behavior. The Tavistock Institute of Human Behavior is the largest mass manipulation organization in the world. It is the world's center for mass brainwashing and social engineering activities. It grew from its beginning at Wellington House into a sophisticated organization that was to shape the destiny of the entire planet, and in the process, change the paradigm of modern society. With connections to U.S. research institutes and think tanks, the Tavistock has an extensive reach. Today, the Tavistock Institute of Human Behavior is known as the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations because this sounds less ominous. A founding architect of the mass manipulations tactics used by the Tavistock was Edward Bernays. Bernays was the father of mass manipulation warfare. The Tavistock Institute has praised Bernays as being its greatest prophet. Bernays was the first mass manipulation expert that used his uncle Sigmund Freud's study of the human mind to develop tactics for controlling the minds of large populations. He was the mass manipulation expert who permanently impressed the ruling white elites with the potential of large-scale propaganda to influence public opinion. Bernays as an advisor to several U.S. presidents was appointed Woodrow Wilson to Eisenhower. In his 1928 book Propaganda, Bernays wrote that if we understand the mechanism and motives of a group mind, it is now possible to control and regiment the masses according to our will without them knowing it. Bernays further stated, the human mind is like a computer. No matter how efficient it may be, its reliability is only as excellent as its information. If it's possible to control the input into the human mind, no matter how intelligent a person may be, it is entirely possible to prevent what they think. It is not some feeble-minded premise, nor is it some silly conspiracy theory. It's the truth that hides from you. Media social engineering is a covert, well-crafted system of control that allows the white ruling class to control the masses and targeted populations. The white media has always represented a tyranny of the white society's power over black people. The valid name of this infamous system remains classified. So we appropriately named it, the Black People's Matrix. Those that know the truth must teach. African Proverb Please wake up.